Blog Talk Radio. All right, looks like I don't have a intro there, so I'm ready. Y'all ready? All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to Wednesday. Yes, you guys excited in the house? I'm excited in the house. Yes, glad to be here. Thank you for joining me tonight. I do appreciate your support uh, coming out here on a Wednesday night. You know, as now that Periscope has created options. Okay, that people can take. It takes it means something when someone decides to spend their time with you. So I just want to thank you guys here in the house in Tulsa for being here, being faithful every week. I want to thank my my crew who shows up and make sure that we can do this every week. My wonderful producer who tells everybody what to do and how to do it. Uh Mira Alexander, I appreciate you on tonight as well. Y'all show up faithfully. My door monitors in the back. My daughter, okay, Thelma Louise. Okay. <laughs> I just want to thank you all for being here and uh, joining me tonight for this edition of Wednesday Warriors. Uh, yeah, we're going to open up with prayer because we're just going all the way in. I don't know if you guys saw the blackboard, but we're just going to go all the way in tonight, huh? Ah! Well, last week we were on fire, so I figured it's only appropriate that we just go ahead and extend the, the flame here. So we're going to talk about some controversial things tonight based on a question that I was asked. And I think a question that a lot of Christians, you know, struggle with and don't understand about the dynamics uh, or the interplay between God and his creation. Before the garden, it's all about understanding the interplay between God and his creation. We think it's about giving you a religious belief system. We think it's about giving you a doctrine. We think it's about giving you some interesting information, perhaps some mythology, perhaps a little bit of sociology, a little bit of culturology, but no. Everything about God is about God. I know that that is so strange to say, but when you think about what, our, what the majority of our faith is about, it's not about the character. It's not about the uh, motivation, the intention, and even the nature of our creator outside of him being love. It's not about those things. It's about what? Our hurts, our pain, our frustration, our confusion, and our victimization as human beings. But rarely is the real foundation of our faith discussed, and that is what? The mind, will, and emotions of our God. Y'all with me? That's a rarity. The mind, will, and emotions of our God is not the center of our, even our theology. Would you agree? Okay, it's all about answering all these questions of earth. The biggest problem that we have and why we cannot ever come up with decent, unified answers about why we exist and all of that is because we start with what? Earth. And if you start with Earth, you're going to end up with Earth. Or I should say you're going to end up with the dead end. Because Earth is a dead end. So if you start with Earth, you're going to end up with dead ends. Okay. Because earth did not get its life from itself. It got its life from a being. And Christianity is trying to give you the history of the life of the being that made yours possible. Oh, but see, we're thinking we're dealing with religion, don't we? So if we think we're dealing with religion, then we're not dealing with the being. Which is why we're not exploring mind, will, emotions, thoughts, and intent. We're exploring the universe as an inanimate object that's just acting upon itself. Hmm. Dead answers from a dead world. Oh, okay. Are we all right tonight? 
See, we're just going all the way in right now on Wednesday Warriors. I started off to let you know why you want to share with your friends right now. If you're joining me live on Periscope and Facebook, I want to thank you also for your faithfulness and joining us and staying with this journey and being a part of wanting to know this information. This isn't information everybody wants to know. Some people just want to know how to live, how to get through, how to find a job, how to get married, have kids, you know, live a decent life and die. But some of us want to know why we're here. And I want to thank you for joining us. We're still reading out of our favorite book by our favorite author, Before the Garden. And we're understanding more and more why, it's, why we have to answer the uh, questions of before so we can understand the now. You have to be able to answer what came first. We want to answer questions based on a manifestation, the result. We're trying to make heads or tails out of God's results instead of going back to his motives. Mm. Okay? And what Dr. Price does, she brings you into God's results, the world, I mean, of, of God's motives, the world of how he thinks. Because in her mind, he is a real being, not a systemized thought process of belief that has been carefully orchestrated and planned out for us to know how to believe something. You see what I'm saying? People don't work like that. Think about how you came up with your own belief systems for your life. Tell me how many of them were planned out like that. I'm going to orchestrate my life in such a way that it produces this. How many of us can actually say that it takes a minute for us to even realize that most of what we're living today is a product of our belief system, a product of how we believe? In your mind, you're doing what? Expressing yourself. I'm just expressing myself. I'm being me. You're doing you. I'm doing me. I'm just expressing what's on the inside of me. Now think about that. I'm just expressing what's on the inside of me. So God. And he's fighting for his expressions to not only live, okay, but to be the character, nature, okay, and product of his creation. He's looking for creation, according to Romans 1, he's looking for creation to be a reflection of himself. Oh, okay, y'all with me? Looking for it to be a reflection of himself. He's not looking for this thing to, okay, be a hodgepodge, or some sort of quilt of everything that's out there. He's trying to bring, we've been talking about what? Simultaneity and synchronicity, which is all about doing what? Bringing everything back into the, what? Back into the same. And what's that saying? The character and nature of God. That's why Dr. Price says that Christianity is not a religion. It is a being. It is a person with a personality, with preferences and belief systems. So we're trying to get to know a system. We're trying to get to know how things operate minus the operator. So you may find out function but never intent. So you'll know how we function as human beings. You know that we breathe, we have blood, we live, we do this, we have thoughts, we have feelings. You know how we function. But intention is what's missing from the human identity, which is why we're reckless, 
which is why we abuse ourselves, which is why we, you know, do all manner of crazy things, trying to figure it out, because we are always wondering, what is it our intention? Why do I have this kind of personality? Why am I so drawn to this, that, or the other thing? Why is it my passion tendency you don't know intention? So you spend your life in the dark of intention, and therefore you use most of your existence exploring it and discovering it typically destructively. Oh, is that true? Welcome to Wednesday Warriors. Yes. Because we have to step into a different mentality if we're ever going to get to the source of truth. Yes, there is a your truth and my truth and all of that kind of truth thing going on in society. But your truth is based on something that is a result of something else, not an original source. So you're basing and establishing your existence on a second-hand truth. Your truth was pretty much God's result or product or option. Well, this is just my truth. I just happen to see life that way. Yep, and you're doing it based on your DNA. So we still ain't at the origin. Oh, y'all didn't hear that, did you? You're doing it based on a predisposition in your makeup. It was crafting your own personal truth. So we're still not at the origin. Because if you had it your way, your truth would not include some things that you went through in your life. It would not include some things in your personality that you don't like or that other people do not like about you. You would have not included those factors. You would have not included those things. So are we really dealing with the truth after all sometimes or just some facts? Y'all all right? Because that's where we are. So I want to invite you tonight to share, 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 because we're going to talk about some controversial things, I promise you. We were going to talk about who did Jesus die for. And we're going to talk about it based on a question that I saw asked by a dear friend of mine from college. Who says he watches Wednesday Warriors? So Adam, if you're watching, this one is for you, okay? But I went, I went to school with him many years back. And so he asked a question about, which we posted on our Wednesday Warrior Challenge. I want to thank you guys who did participate in the challenge. Yes. Y'all jumped out there, put your Wednesday Warrior minds together to come up with some real answers. Why did I have you do that? Because you have to be able to give a defense for what you believe. And we can't just give a defense on what feels good to us. We can't just give a defense on what we're passionate about. And we can't give a defense defensively. We have to have answers. We have to have logic, and we have to have quality explanation, don't we? Yes? Y'all ready to go into a teaching class? Last night, we last time, we, you know, we just, we just lit up the room. But today, we're going to put our thinking caps on just a little bit. Who's ready to put their thinking cap on just a little bit? So if you're not a member of the Wednesday Warrior Book Club, I want to invite you, if it's your first time joining us tonight, I want to invite you to participate. It's how we stay connected all week long, and we work through things like this. Now, this is not information you can just hear one time and, you know, understand what's going on. This is information that you have to hear and dissect and handle again and again and again because it's like peeling an onion. God is infinite. You can't understand infinite in a moment. Okay? That's got to play out over time. And even then, in certain seasons and times of your life when he wants you to know different aspects of who he is and different aspects of his character, he changes the kaleidoscope of your view. He changes your view 
different aspects of his fullness. When we say that we have the fullness of the Godhead in us body, we have no idea what that means. What is the fullness of the infinite? Think about that. What is the fullness of infinite? That is the magnitude in which of the information that the Holy Ghost has downloaded to you upon your day of salvation. That's what he brought to the planet on Pentecost, the fullness of God, which is why he can lead and guide you in all truth, which is why he can go on and be your teacher, because at any moment he can open up a, a revelation or a lens or aspect of God that you have not known. Yes, we only want to know him. We're choosing to only know him as Savior, but he is so much more. He's still the creator. Oh, come on. We can know him as so much more. And when you mature and begin to grow up in God, he knows that he can expand your view. He can expand your lens and take you into a different aspect and character and nature of himself. So that ultimately he can feel all in all and you will be able to feel all in all within yourself. Y'all all right? Because we still have questions because parts of God are still not active or missing in our makeup. But when the light has come, and we talked about this before, when God is the light, when the light has come, you ain't going to have all that because you're going to be able to see. Mm. All right. And we can't take on the fullness of God at once. What did they do in the Mount of Transfiguration? That, the, the Jesus lit up and they're like, ooh, we about to pass out and make a memorial. No, no, bro. This is only one piece and sliver of who I am. This is the taste of what you're going to enter into. This is not the fullness of it. And God is trying to upgrade us daily in our souls to be able to carry that weight of glory, the fullness of who he is. While we are sitting here trying to figure out how to still drink, smoke, fornicate, and slide off into the, okay, the den of sin, okay, uh, right, and still call ourselves saved, Jesus like, but I'm trying to open up the fullness of creation in your soul. I'm trying to take you back to the original power, the foundational design. I'm trying to bring you into the whole totality of how we function and operate without limitation. Oh, okay. But we're holding on to those limitations. Oh, come on in here. We're holding on to our limitations in exchange for what? In exchange for what? So we're wanting to have this glory of God. I want to see you, God. I want to know you, God. I want to get into this better, you know, this bigger, more expensive place with you, God. I, while I hold on to, to limitations. While I idolize my limits. Okay. We all right? While I idolize my limits. But you have limitless whatever in God. Then why are you still holding on to your limitations? Why are you still choosing those things that limit you and limit your ability to function as God called you to be? We're still holding on to them. Well, you got to understand that. I'm just saying I'm not perfect. I'm just that limitation. Limitation. And if you continue to talk limitation, you will have a limited Christianity and a limited view of God. The reason why we have people fighting and squabbling over Scripture and we have all these controversies today and we can't agree, you know, things is because people have a limited view of God because they're blocked by the idols that they don't want to let go. They can't come in. He said without holiness, you can't see God. Holiness is what? Wholeness. If you don't allow God to make you whole and bring you into the complete version 
the full measure and stature of all that is in Jesus Christ, then you'll never enter into that place of holiness. You'll never enter into that place where you can truly see everything there is about God. And another reason why he won't do it is because if he knows that you're that attached to your addiction, he cannot trust you with his revelation. Because you have not yet made your commitment to which God you really want to serve. You're still testing out the altar. You're testing out the altar. You haven't made up your mind yet. When he knew Adam had not 100% made up his mind which deity he was going to serve, Adam thought he was dedicated to Jesus Christ until another option came in the room. One way seems right until another way appears. So God sounded good, the garden seemed wonderful, until he became interested in the secondary option, in the seduction of what he thought he was missing, because the enemy was talking about things they had never seen, things they had never heard of before. He was talking about a world that they were privy to. And they were enticed. God will not open you up to the fullness of his kingdom, the fullness of his word, if you don't make the decision that he is your choice that he is your one and only option. And the only way you're going to know that is when it comes up against another, when you have to choose between your passions and the cross, when you have to make those decisions to make sacrifices for things that you love, things that you felt like you need, things that you felt like you had, you have to put those back. That's why God puts you through those moments. Does he put you through those moments just to get rid of the sin in your life? Yes, but he also puts you through those moments because he wants to know your level of commitment. Tell him, how do you know that that's true? I know that that's true because of what he said to Israel in Deuteronomy. He said to them, why? Why were they were on their way getting ready to go to Jericho? He said to them, why? I put you in the wilderness. Why did you do those 40 days? Was it just because of their disobedience? No. He knew that their disobedience was a symptom. It was a symptom of disloyalty. Disobedience is a symptom of disloyalty. So he knew it. And he said he put you in the wilderness so that he can test your heart to see if you love him. Oh, okay. To see if you love him. God kept allowing Israel to have these tricks and flings with these other gods because he wanted to see if they really loved him. Oh, come on. Because God opens up his treasury to those that love him. Y'all all right? We're wondering why certain people get deep revelations and other people live their Christian walk wondering who they are in God. I would ask the question that Dr. Price asked us, how deep is your love? How deep is your love? Because that is what will determine your degree of loyalty. And trust. Come on, when you think about the word trust, what is bound up in a trust? Why do we even have them? Why do, why do people get trust funds? To do what? You keep your valuables in a trust fund. Oh, come on here. Did y'all catch that? So when God can't trust you, he lost God in the kingdom. Adam knew nothing that we knew about creation. In fact, it says in Peter that, wait a minute, we know things that even angels desire to look into. 
They had no idea what Jesus Christ was really here to do. Why they went ahead with this plan and allowed this to play out, allowed darkness to run over the planet that long. But when you say yes and decide to enter into the kingdom, you get access to the kingdom trust fund. Oh, y'all with me tonight? Who's still in the place? Are we still there? Y'all getting it tonight? The kingdom trust fund. Because that's where the treasure is. He said, they asked him, why do you speak in parables? Did they not? And what was his response? His response was what? First scripture has to be fulfilled. That says, seeing as though you do not see, hearing as though you do not hear. But what he ultimately was the ultimate reason why he did it, he says, because it's been given to you to know the kingdom, not them. He shared his identity, his mission, and all of those things with those he trusted. John 17, remember that from last week. He shared his identity with those he trusted. And his best friend, the apostle that was considered to be his best friend, Gave up intimate understanding of who he was as what? The Son of God. We have the most information about Jesus Christ's identity from his best friend. And then who did he decide to share the end of time with? His best friend. Trust fund. Treasure. God will not open up deep revelations and pearls of wisdom if you have not made a commitment to who you're going to serve. He said, choose Jesus, say who you will serve. Demi, choose you to say, who are you going to Because God says, if it's not me, then I'm not going to tell you anything about me. We think that he's crying because people don't know him. No, that's a safety measure. I need to safeguard what we know, the mysteries of the kingdom. I need to safeguard this information. Because I cannot have this out here. He put two cherubims and blocked the way back to life. Oh, come on. What? Because he was scared of the devil? No, he's blocking his treasury. <laughs> because what did he say? When we were reading this in chapter 7, on page 112, no, 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 on 110, she says at the bottom of page 110, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence taken by force. For, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. She gives the ISV version right underneath that. From the days of John the Baptist until the present, the kingdom from, uh, the kingdom from heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people have been attacking it. He knew that the moment that he came close to earth, he was going to have to open this thing up or run the risk of the enemy trying to infiltrate, interlope, okay, and destroy what he was establishing. Okay. That's why he had to send the Holy Spirit to be the author, the guardian, and the watcher, not only us, but over the very gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he knew that for them to open up the kingdom, for us to believe it, to see it, to be partakers of it, that others would try to attack it. 
They would try to usurp. Do they not, do perverted people not capitalize off the gospel today? So much so that Paul said they're going to preach it for gain, but it don't matter. God's going to do the shopping. <laughs> he don't care. You can hear the gospel a drunk, okay, a drunk, drug up, okay, defiled man in his stupor can preach the gospel to you, cause you to believe it. My God, you go to heaven and he's taken out. Because the power of the of salvation is on the word. It's not necessarily just in the vessel. God was smart enough to not put his most valuable treasure in the hands of people who he knows could not make up their minds about him, who would be like Peter. Yes, you are the son of God. Oh, my God, I never knew him. <laughs> All in the same breath. Yes, you're my best, but I'm sorry for you. What? What do you What? Who do you think I am? I'm just out here like you, denying the God every way possible. That's why he said, but upon this rock, because Peter was a Jew, and he was called to the dispensation of the Jews. And what had the Jews been doing to God since the time of Abraham when he made covenant? I love you. I mean, yes, don't be your God, don't you? We're seeing other people. It's an open version. <laughs> We're open with each other. We're honest. And, you know, no, we're not. It's okay. That's why the story of Hosea and Gomer. Because they were constantly denying him. Constantly. One minute I love you. Next minute I don't. I know you. I don't know you. You're good. You're not good. We're here. We're not. We're together. We're, we're, we're divorced. We're in this thing. We're out of this thing. So God did not reveal the real purpose of why he put Israel in the earth until he could do the number one thing he came to do. And that was what? Walk in people and talk to people. Defying the guards, the information, all that can release from eternity. I now can regulate what they know and what they don't know from the inside. So I'm not giving them anything. It says that Peter Christ was prophesying through the prophets. And they didn't know Christ. He was the one giving them the prophecies. It says here in the scripture at the bottom of page 110 that the law and the prophets prophesied. How could the law of Moses prophesy? How could the law prophesy? What was to come? The society that he was going after. Oh, come on, in the place. The law, every time it was spoken, kept hitting the planet, breaking that rock to pieces, kept chopping away at darkness, kept coming up against everything that they were trying to do, that seared consciousness. Come on, the love that wrapped cold, the hardness of the heart, that stony and stony place in our flesh. Come on, every time they spoke it, it pricked their consciousness. Oh, the most I said we shouldn't be feeling. Well, I mean, I think about that. <laughs> but it was pricking the conscience that was closed to him. And God says, it's not my word like a hammer. That law was handling against flesh that did not want to know their creator and be obligated to him. Y'all all right? Yes, yes, yes. So the kingdom of heaven was suffering violence, and he knew it. And why was he suffering violence? Because of what we have been discussing. He was coming to face off with the darkness that was on the deep. Oh, come on. Jesus came again and said, let there be light. So he was coming to face off with an existing and an established institution, and it was not just an institution.
the fact that people made uh, horrible laws, evil, corrupt laws in their lands was a symptom or a product that darkness was in the heart of men. Okay. The fact that cultures and societies prior to Jesus Christ burned their children in the fire, committed abortions and offered them up to God, beheaded people as a sacrifice, let have more blood flow into the land than Jesus could have ever spilled on the cross. Thank God it was eternal. They did that because of the darkness that was in their hearts. So when we're talking about this issue here, the question was posed. If Jesus died for all the sins of the world, why are people still going to hell? Amen. That was the question. He asked first, did he die for all the sins of the world? Well, of course, we're reading Romans, we're going into Corinthians, we're doing all the scriptures that we know. In Christ, I mean, in Adam all died. In Christ all lived. He did it all. Jesus paid it all. Wave at him, Jesus. <laughs> he paid it all. For who? The question becomes for who? Doesn't it, doesn't it, Linda? It, it comes down to for who? Why did he really come? We have been taught erroneously over the years. Pray for me. Y'all praying? Y'all hungry? That's all right. I, I am that by a very strong general, right? And the faith who laid a foundation. That's why I bless Dr. Price every time I can. Laid a foundation for us to come under the yoke of demonic deception. Mm. My God, today I praise God for that woman every day. So, we have been erroneously told and taught, isn't it true, Minister Dog? That Jesus was coming to save the whole world. And because it said, for God so loved the world, okay, he loved the world. Okay? Which makes sense. Because in Psalms, he says what? The earth is the And then what? The fullness thereof. And then what? The world. And they that dwell therein. So, of course, he does. Love was never the issue. We think that love was the premier reason why he came. It might have been his motive, but it wasn't the objective because guess what? God said he loved Israel, so love didn't enter the planet when Jesus came. Okay. Well, Christians are bringing love to the world. No, love was in the world. It was there. It was already here. That's not new. People were, the sinners love people without God. They love their sin. They love their passions. They're, they love their affairs. They're adulterers. Come on here. They love their, okay, come on. They love their hot flames and their cold flames. Come on here. They love their neighbor's stuff, and they just took it. Okay? So love, the emotion of love was not the reason why he came. He came to switch the object and the affection because they love hate. They love, the reason, they said they were cold and bloodthirsty men. They chase blood. They chase destruction. They love war. They love conflict. They, they had love. Love was not the problem. We need to stop telling love and start focusing on the objective of someone's love and the corresponding product thereof. Who do you love? Because, see, that's what Jesus' issue is. Okay. Can we go right to that? So that's what Jesus' issue is. Who do you love? So he didn't come for those reasons. 
Dr. Christ is a great teacher. He called Jesus loves you, but that's not why he came. You need to get that message. Because that's not why he came. Because he came to bring light and life back into the world. Why? Because he had something still in this world that he judged. Something in this world that he condemned at the beginning that he wanted, that he knew belonged to him. How do we know that? Because he shut everything up under sin. Let's think about what happened after the garden. He already said what? He cursed the earth. He already said what? Man was already cursed to die because they entered into the city. So Adam's going to curse. Now the drug is cursed. He already said I had to bring the animals under curse. Now they didn't do that. Okay, so we have this eternal prison. 
Okay. Oh, I'm going to let that go. This one looks Oh, you know what? I think it's under here somewhere. Uh, you can give me a piece of paper right now. It's my little. It was over here. And paper. Is that even work? Thank you very much. All right, so I'll do it like this. So that you guys who are even watching online can also, all right? It's an eternal prison. And why was this eternal, why does it exist? Why was this eternal prison created? We remember. Okay. All right. John says that hell was for the devil and his angels. Well, and then we're going to in there, but you're, we need to watch humanity now going to hell. Okay. Why does it exist? We said devil, angel. Okay. When did it come into existence? Okay. Okay, go ahead, Vanessa. Okay, after the revolt. It actually always existed because it's where God dumped his wrath before the devils and the angels decided to be the first partaker of it. He was so angry with them tearing up his creation. Let you be the first partaker. I'm so mad right now. I'm not going to destroy the whole creation. I won't implode from the inside out. I'm going to quarantine you in my anger. Quarantine you where I put my wrath and where I put my anger. And my anger will abide on you. John says what? The wrath of God abides on all those who do not believe. That's where the wrath is. God's wrath is in hell. He dumped all of his anger, all of his wrath, all of his frustration in hell so that he wouldn't destroy creation every five minutes of every day. That's why he can say, I'm long-suffering. Yeah. I already got a place while I'm floating. Okay? Because I'm not going to do that. Why? Because he chose to be the God of life. He chose to be long-suffering. He chose to be a God of justice, a God of mercy, a God of grace. Those were choices. So where did he put the opposite choices? Just say it. Where did the opposite choices go? All right. So here we go. So now, hell, and she says this in the book, what we don't understand is that we think that hell was created because of these guys here in the Adam and Company. Absolutely not. Hell predates earth. And we have to remember that. It's an archetype for where, okay, you want an archetype for where God handles his issues. So it is an archetypical thing. And Adam and Eve became the human prototype of that issue in the flesh. When now the judgment that only existed in heaven, only existed in eternity, has now become a part of earth. Thanks to Adam. We didn't have to enter into that judgment, but we chose to do so, and we were not powerful enough to stop it. That's why Jesus said, we come to this again, Christ in you. Holy Spirit being a seal of promise and a guarantee for what? Because the kingdom of heaven is always suffering violence, and he knows that as they're being here on the planet, there's always going to be something attacking it. God gave you the Holy Ghost because you were always going to be in attack by darkness. That's why he gave you the power to bind the devil, to lose something, because the kingdom of heaven is here and people are attacking it. And he made you the guardian, the earthbound guardian. Oh, come on. So we have this thing. So earth, I mean, so hell predates earth. So when you're asking why do people go to hell, well, the first people to go to hell were not human. Okay. Just like that. 
Because we think that God made these rules specifically for us. And he didn't. Oh, okay. He made them for the issues that predate us. And that he sent Christianity to the planet to fight and mediate and regulate and ultimately eradicate. That's why he's coming back with 10,000 of the saints because ultimately we're going to be like, Pah! let me tell you something. Who this thing? You can't confuse it. See, we ain't in the garden no more. We ain't in no garden. We done lived some life with the most high. We know a little something about you and how you work. I got the scars to prove it. Okay? So, hell, first of all, wasn't created for human beings, so we need to just stop thinking that. The first people in hell were not human beings, so we need to stop thinking that. And we need to understand that after Adam and Eve did what they did, that from that point forward, everybody went to hell. All of humanity went to hell. But God came for a reason. Go back to Cain and Abel, what happened after the garden, to show you what, what Jesus was coming back for. He knew that the human gene was now split between good and evil, wasn't it? And to show you that not everything that came out of Adam's loins was going to be just evil, he gave us the story of Cain and Abel. Firstborn goes to the God that the parents had chosen. Cain chose, I mean, Adam chose the devil, chose him, okay, as his new authority by obeying him, okay? So the first thing out of his loins goes to the devil. How do we find that out? John says what? That Cain was of the wicked one. Abel, however, was still in Adam's womb. So although Adam had given his authority to darkness, he had now had two things, two types of uh, genetic code running down his loins. Good and evil were both coexisting. Matthew, wheat and tear, let them grow together. Let them grow together. So we're letting them grow together until the time of harvest comes, when I'm about to separate the men from the boys, when Jesus came, the sheep from the goat, all right? The right from the wrong, the good from the evil. I'm about to separate them. In due season, I will come in with my own life and my own eternal DNA and genetics and food. It will separate the two. Because the, the unity, Adam, Adam's voice was only going to be in the flesh. He wasn't going to keep that in the spirit. And, as we recall, our spirit in Jesus Christ never fell. Our souls did. Our souls came under the judgment of Adam's disobedience. But our eternal spirit stayed in God, which is why he had to block the way. Oh, Vanessa got it. He had to block the way because he had to preserve what could restore. Y'all understanding?
And he said, no, 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 no. No. Because if we get back there and we're in that state, guess what? We're stuck. We're stuck in that place. Does that make sense? So when God, when we got the story of Cain and Abel, and Abel was able to obey God, and Cain wasn't, that was our sign that all was not lost. Not all of humanity was going to be lost to Jesus Christ. And they already, before the foundation of the world, this is why Abel was a plain out of why God could say that all the names were written before the foundation of the world. Because he was showing that in, in all of this month are still predestined souls that will belong to me. Because I already foreknew that I would have to deal with this problem because Satan broke sin into existence. Because even though he could put those angels in everlasting darkness, what he couldn't stop was the seedbed of the idea. Right. From right. You can't just take people's thoughts from them, you know, like unless you're gonna knock them out. And I don't think that God wanted to comatose humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're just gonna be walking around like zombies. Oh, but that's Satan's story, isn't it? Because he don't want thinkers. Because he doesn't want you ever piecing together the knowledge of the truth. So inside of the inside of Adam's genetic pool, inside of his loins, are two are both beings. Both products are still there. So God, in his wisdom, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to end up with the Cain, check, or the Abel, check, and then, wait, well, that's a Cain, so that means we need to deal with you differently. No, 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 no. I'm going to shut the whole earth under sin. Everybody's going to be shut up under this judgment. And in due season, I'm going to come back for Abel. Y'all with me? Yes. Now, not him specifically. You know what I'm saying? You understand. All right? But because we didn't really get another righteous soul until set, you guys know, right? Because Cain was busy. So we had some things there. So he's going to come back. So there is still something in humanity worth getting, dying, negotiating for. Because I have beings in there after my own kind that are still made in my image that are being oppressed by this other thing. We gave the example of the tomatoes. Who remembers that? It helped, didn't it? Prophet did remember too. All right, Facebook and Periscope, we gave the example of the tomatoes to help you understand this scenario of why God would say, why would you punish Abel when Abel seemed like he was going to be a good person? Did he turn out to be okay? I mean, he made the sacrifice, right? <laughs> so, like, why would people like that, like, have to go, like, to hell? Like, that's not fair. Okay, here's the problem. I gave this uh, analogy. Dr. Frank uses cards, and I get it. She uses cards uh, because I, I, I because of the COVID and what has, what we do when we have to recall vehicles that are on the market. But we all remember those tomato and vegetable scares we had, okay, in our country. We remember those. Y'all remember those Facebook scares? But we had those scares. And they told us, they scared us out to death. They said, oh, my God, oh, my God. But they could not, for the longest time, figure out where the source was coming from. So instead, instead of you know risking the whole country, okay, getting E. coli because some batches of tomatoes might have been infected, and other batches of tomatoes were not, they recalled all of them. They took all of the tomatoes off the market. Why? Because just looking at a tomato, you 
or not. So they had to do testing to find out even which area, okay, which farm, tomato grower, okay, farmers, they farm those, right? Come on here. All right, <laughs> which tomato farm was even the culprit? Now, God knows and he foreknew, which is why he can write a list of names. But guess who the rest of creation didn't know? The rest of creation. The angels didn't know. Nobody else knew. They acted. So much so that Ephesians said that his metaphor wisdom was going to be made known to the principalities and powers by the church. By us revealing ourselves. By this you will know the sons of God. By this you will know the ones that have not been contaminated. Because of their ability, you believe. They can respond to me. Able after the judgment, after the curse, after the damnation, was able to respond to God's voice. How else would he know how to bring the most acceptable sacrifice? Because, being up, he could respond. Why? Because all up, he was going to be a partaker of that judgment. His blood was innocent. And God had to send humanity through a distant, sorting, and separating process so that we would know which genes had been contaminated and which genes were not. Since he said both would be growing, show that both would be coming out of Adam. Or what, two or three generations, and then we get set. Couple more generations we get Enoch. Sometime after that we get Noah. No, Methuselah, right? Who came first? Methuselah. And then Noah. And then Abraham. That's why the genealogy of Jesus Christ has been written, because he's only been tracking the, the good genes. Or the, the original genes. Tracking all the way back to Adam. Because both of them came out from the God. Y'all with me? So when we're talking about uh, here, what did Jesus accomplish with his death? Who did he die for? He was dying for those that belonged to him and were already appointed and set apart. And how the set apart ones would be recognized is by their predisposition to faith. That's why the just shall live. They will be alive. They'll be renewed by their faith starting with Abraham. And Abraham will become what? The founding father of the redeemed. That's why he said, through you, all the families of the world will end up being blessed. Why? Because in some families, you're going to have some, some stuff. You're going to have some able. Come on. Nothing is in a most amazing story like Madeline O'Hare and her son. Yeah. Yeah. My big genesis is take prayer out of school, take down God, I'm an atheist, I don't care, burn him to the ground. Okay, her son, no, we're going to restore prayer school. God is good. God is great. Okay, this is wonderful. Come out of the same morning. We and tear growing together. And now when they have become full grown, Jesus came to separate them. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword of division. That sword of division was to divide now these gene pools that have been growing together. It's now time to divide them. I know y'all grew up in the same hell. I know you grew up in the same situation. But now it's time to show you where my people at, where my sons at, where my offspring are. And I'm going to show you by those who have the ability to hear my voice, learn my ways, and appreciate me. 
See, we show that we're the sons of God by our obedience. If you love me, you'll be able to keep my commandments. If you can't keep my commandments, it's because you don't love me. And if you don't love me, you're not capable to. Cain, it was just impossible. He couldn't do this. He couldn't do it. He was literally in that, I cannot do this. Crew. Okay? I cannot deal with God. And he was dealing directly with God. There was no mediator. He didn't go to Greece to say, hey, I can't work out this sacrifice. The only person that was mediating the company at that time directly was God himself. That's why God showed up to tell him, hey, son, if you do well, it'll be, oh, you know, okay, you can't. Don't stand there. That's an option. Okay? So what did Jesus' death abolish hell? No. He went to hell for what purpose? To get the authority over it and to empty out Abraham's bosom, which was where? Because everybody, the wheat and the tear, all went together, but hell even showed you that the separation had come. Because he, he emptied out Abraham's bosom. Because they had to wait. Oh, come on, think about that. Daniel, Daniel, all of our hometown heroes waited, trusting and believing. Abel's blood not being avenged until the cross. Come on here. They had to do some waiting for the separation to come, for the fullness of time to come, for the age of darkness to come, which we know is the reason God started time, to put a time limit on how these people would have to suffer in Abraham's bosom, away from God, in, in hell, waiting for this. Because they did not have the ability to have eternal life. Eternal life would only come through salvation. Because it was going to be the separating tool. Everything about Jesus Christ and what he did here into divide. That's why Christianity is divisive. Because God is sifting for the tomatoes that are, that are defective. And he's sifting for the ones that he can release back on the market that are safe for consumption. That are safe in society. That will be safe. Oh, come on here. So he went to hell to get the authority to end the reign of darkness. Their time limit had expired. And now it was time for them to reap. That's why he said this is the day of the Lord. Why do we say the day of the Lord? Didn't anybody ever wonder that? Like, what's the day of the Lord? Isn't it always a day? Like, he's around. He's been around since the beginning. No, he said because of from Adam all the way until John the Baptist, it was darkness day. They were reaping uncontestedly outside of Abraham's covenant, which he swirled away like a little nut so he can have his predestined portion for himself. But when it came to Jesus Christ, it's now our day. Matthew, no, Luke 13. Y'all know I'm bad at that, right? But the angels coming to now reap in the grain. They're reaping for God now. They are the reapers. Does that make sense? Is it, is it, is it big brain thinking? You sure? Okay. <laughs> so now it's the Lord's day to reap. So he's now going out. He's sending light out in the darkness to get his son. Oh, y'all all right. Because it's my turn. My turn to do it. So Jesus did die for all sins, but he was dying for the sins of those who would believe. John 17, I ain't praying for the world. I'm praying for, all, I'm praying for my folks. He wrote, angels giving aid to the seed of Abraham. We ain't here for nobody else. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. We're not here for that. Because 
foundation has already been set since the beginning. That's why I told you last week Jesus didn't have to condemn the world because the world in Eden was already condemned. So everybody was already going to hell. So, Adam, my dear friend, why are people still going to hell? They're not going to hell. They're through salvation getting an opportunity to buy their way out of it. Salvation is your way out of a condemned existence. That's why there is therefore no for who? Okay, what's the rest of that? He said you got to be in Christ. For the law of life in Christ Jesus will set you free from the law of sin and death. Y'all with me? So he had to that's why he didn't necessarily, what he fulfilled in Moses' law was darkness death. That's fulfilled. Now, the law itself will stay in place because, no, I'm still not going to let you sleep with your neighbor's wife, okay? So that's not happening. But the consequences have been fulfilled in me for those that believe. So now if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're getting your way out of hell. But you were already appointed to it. You were already, your soul was already there. Y'all with me? Your soul was already there. So you're buying your way out of hell. Christianity is not sending you to hell. It's our religion that sends people to hell in the wind and the Christian that pulls people out. It provides a doorway out of something that enters in the planet beyond your control. You didn't do it. You didn't make that mistake, but you were born into all of it.
And then you can't defend your faith with your simplicity. People perish for what? So your Christianity can perish on the altar of your lack of knowledge. And you can be turned away and seduced and tempted and all of those things because you're trying to keep Christ simple and fear anything that is too complex for you to control. This is not a revelation. The continuum is out of our control. And that's why we don't often want to touch it because we don't want to discuss things and institutionalize things. We feel like our humanity can't really control. No, your humanity can't control who's going to hell and who's not going to hell. That was predetermined before you got here. And it was not predetermined because God loved you or hated you, but because God has an enemy. And you have to decide who you're going to roll with. We think that hell was created because God wanted to judge people. No, hell was created because he had people who were deserving of judgment. They tried to tear up the very world that we're all love people and everybody's trying to save. You want this we are the world utopian experience. And I'm going to take responsibility for how we're going to shape it to get there. See, Jesus took responsibility for actually changing things. Oh, what? What happened? Is it true? Yes. He took responsibility for it. So he died for all the sins. And when he says he died for all sins, let's talk about all the sins of the world. He's talking about all the seductions, temptations, addictions, diseases, and maladies. Uh, mutations, variations that would happen in the human gene to enslave you. Any possible way you could be affected by death or darkness, he died to absolve. So it doesn't matter what it is, Jesus' blood will cover it. You got cancer, the blood will cover it. Oh, come on, y'all with me? Yes. All right, you got fears and phobias, the Jesus' blood will cover it. It's mental, the blood will cover it. It's spiritual, the blood will cover it. Y'all with me? Yes. Faith, would you still have your tongue? The blood will cover it. So all the sins of the world are dealing with all the variations. That's why Jesus had to come in the fullness of time. He had to let Satan release all of his arsenal out in the earth and come at the end of every type of sin, every type of malady, defect, corruption that he could possibly think of in all of this world or that would come out of the mutation of flesh. So that when he died, he would die for every all of it. That's why he was tested in all points. He touched with the feeling of all infirmity. Because every type of way the enemy could victimize humanity had been done, had been exposed, had been manifested. So it's not just dealing with all sin as in all sinners, but all the things that would trap us and keep us in sin. his blood can free you from, no matter what it is. That's why he can fill all in all. Y'all with me? So we're not dealing in that kind of finite thinking, you know? But God, you got to get some big brain stuff going on because that's what he was here to do. So he did not abolish hell, and after he died and rose, you know, the sin was still happening. It was still around. He was still fornicating, you know, come on here. We still killing ourselves every time away. Killing other people every kind of way. So none of that stops. So if none of the sin stops, then the judgment of people going to hell or staying in hell, then either. That's like saying, oh, yeah, somebody came and, you know, wanted to free America. We're free in America, but that means that we're now free from what? All the behaviors and atrocities that people can do for one another. And
and that all of the, the years of convictions and all of the years of penalties we established with the U.S. government is going to, because we're a liberty and justice for all. Should people stop expecting justice from God simply because Jesus came? We need to ask ourselves some tough questions. Should they? Should people who, who suffer at the hand of tragedy not expect that the Lord will avenge them? Yeah, so we don't really want everybody walking around the earth. We just want to be able to control who it is. But that is reserved for one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. All judgment has been committed to the Son. All power, all authority in heaven and the earth has been given to him. Why? Because he said he can judge with righteous judgment. Oh, come on, look what they said about him. He can refuse the evil and choose the good. He was chosen for a reason. Because Jesus can have the objectivity to make the right decision and the right judgment call about who needs to do what and how sin needs to be appropriated. Okay, righteousness rather needs to be appropriated and sin needs to be judged. He can make those decisions. That's why he made a, a point to say how he made judgment in the book of John, did he not? I don't judge on my own. I don't judge by just what I see. I don't judge outside of my father. I don't judge outside of the plan that we have of reconciliation. I don't do none of that stuff. I don't judge like a human. Ooh. <laughs> because a human is going to put their humanity and their flaws and their iniquity first because that's all that's in you. Your default setting is iniquity, so you're always going to put iniquity first. Well, I just don't think that people who do this any other thing to get in trouble. Well, your kids don't need it, but they're still on punishment. Okay, is it true? Do your kids always agree with your judgment of what you think is right and wrong for their lives? No, they don't. And some of it's because they haven't been here long enough to know why it's right or wrong. When they're wanting in their way based on their feelings, and they don't care what their feelings will produce, but you do. You care what your kids' feelings will produce. They do not. So we, I wanted to answer that question today because it's a controversial question that people ask all the time, and we're constantly trying to vilify God. That's how inclusionism got started, because we said we should include everybody, because if Jesus already died for everybody's sin, then technically all of their sins have been absolved, and there doesn't need to be a judgment call, hell, because he died for them all. He's already paid the price, so then they should not have to go to hell because the price is already paid by Jesus Christ. But the problem is, even if he paid their debt, he could not change their passion. So Jesus will be paying for the rest of his life because they'll continue to do things. Oh, come on. Because the blood in their soul necessary for 
life is tied to the health of your soul. So you want to sow a seed tonight into the health and the well-being and transformation of your soul. Because if your soul is transformed, your life will have to follow. Brokenness in our lives is following a brokenness in our souls. So we want to sow into our into the wholeness and transformation of our souls tonight. I invite you to do so, www.tallerprice.com. I want you to know I've been praying over those seeds, and I've been getting testimonies. People have reached out to me to let me know that the seeds that they've been sowing into the warrior nation has been changing their lives and that the words of the Lord have been coming to pass, jobs, homes, cars, families restored, okay, things opening up, them getting ministerial opportunities, uh, them, uh, their, their uh, lives turning around, their ministries turning around, their mind. Somebody said their mind. The sanity of their mind. I told you Jesus Christ is the same God. Is he going to make you sane? Is he going to be the only God that will tell you crazy? You are crazy. You know? That is not what you're thinking right now. So I invite you to sow because this is not a dead work, it's a living word. And I pray over your seeds and I release God's full abundance and harvest on your life. I release it into your situation. I release it in your vocosa. And I'm talking about not in the essa because if you can get your soul to prosper, you can defeat this thing in school. You do not have to walk around fighting the spirit of failure that is stalking your life. You can turn this around if you allow your soul to prosper first. If you allow God to complete the work he needs to complete in you and break that generational stronghold that goes back to parents you don't even know, and God wants to deliver you from that thing in your life, you are not a failure. You are not a failure. But you are not a failure. And see, you know what C's are about. They're not about the cash in the bank. They're about invoking the authorities in heaven. We're making a transaction today to break a generational assignment that goes so far back. My God, today, God's got to lay a tremendous act in the root, even in your consciousness about yourself. But when this is over, your perspective about who you are is going to change. And when it changes, you're going to get the breakthrough in your mind. And not only are you going to pass school, but you're going to discover something else. You're a real genius. Amen. So God's going to do it. Sow your seed tonight, www.tallerprice.com. I take it seriously. Soul transformation is a serious thing, and I don't play over people's transactions because it's not about cash for me. I need to see you all change. I need to see this word at work in you. I need to see the effects of Jesus Christ. I don't want just a sermon. I want the effects. Amen. So I'm going to close out in the prayer tonight. You can stop by to my page. I'd love for you to do so. Tell me how you like it. It's nice. Thank you, Miss Olivia. So you can tell me how you like it. But I appreciate the partnership and relationship we have. So you can go online and so share, share, share this video with as many people as you know are struggling in their faith with what their loved ones they perceive are going to hell for unjust reasons. Come on and justify your God. Justify your God. But justify your God. But justify your God. Justify your God in this thing, in Jesus' name. God, I release a prayer today over Toya, Brown, Marcia, Shannon, Harada. Harada, God's going to work out your money, okay? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. You know, my producer's yelling at me because I ain't doing nowhere near like she said. Look at this, y'all. Okay? <laughs> Harada, God's going to work out your finances. He says that you can expect your kids. You can expect the breakthrough coming in your finances. So be prepared for that. I believe it's over Kevin Brown or Rhonda Berry. Rhonda, God, do I have to work out a relationship issue for you? Nope. Yes. Yes. I see relationships. You. Yes. Talk about to work out something in the 
Right. 